Loading artists. Audio inside. Loading artists. Audio inside. Oh, it's Oddcast, it's Oddcast, it's Oddcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen by your easel, maybe you can grab a chair. Or even take it with you like you ain't got no care. Loading artists. Audio inside. Loading artists. Audio inside. So sit back and relax and grab your headphones too. Adjust your volume, it's Oddcast. Philip J. Mellon welcomes you, so sit back, oh yeah, it's Artcast. Loading artists, audio inside. Loading artists, audio inside. I think environment really, and I know this only because I've been in a lot of different environments when I've worked, I think the environment around you really influences your work, and I definitely feel like it influences mine. And your comment about um, my work and the palette and so forth and where I'm at has a lot to do with why it's those colors. And I think also when I'm in Santa Fe, um, my palette shifts a little bit. And I just got back from Africa, and I, I you know, um, the minute I start painting, my palette has shifted a little bit because of all the things I've seen. And that ties together with the life experience thing as well. Um, when I was in Asia, I was in um, Thailand, um, and when I came back, I wasn't thinking about it, and I painted this whole painting, and um, I looked at it, and I said, oh, my gosh, Shades of Thailand. It was the colors of just about everything I saw around there, which are, you know, if you Google Thailand and you look under images, you'll see all these bright colors, and that's yeah. what it was. Now, I tend to gravitate towards that palette anyway, but I do think that the environment that you are in um, really influences your work, and I know that it definitely does for me. Brenda Hope Zapatel talks a bit on the experimentation in her paintings. In a more recent context, I was frustrated about something that was on my canvas, and I couldn't find a paper towel, so I just took a big, or I think it was a bottle of water I was drinking, and just started pouring it all over it. Oh, wow. And then from that, um, I started always pouring water on the canvas, and then it developed into this thing, and I don't know if you can see it behind me. There's a water bottle here. And oh, okay. It's yeah. like my biggest tool. So wow, I cool. actually use the water bottle more than probably a paintbrush. Oh, wow. So, um, say, so that's, I guess that's what I'm getting to. I mean, for me, that's experimental, I guess, but it was more of an intuitive thing. I'm just like, oh, I got to fix this. Let me just pour this on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's really how I usually develop uh, ways of doing things. Yeah, well that, hey, that sounds interesting to me. <laughs> that's great. So now, I mean, you've incorporated that pretty regularly in your, in your uh... um, yeah every painting I do um, has uh, the spray bottle in my work I for a long time I was just pouring 
big things of water, and my biggest issue was the studio floor was soaking wet. And yeah. oh, if you can see, I probably don't have any out, but I have mounds of towels around, and I put them all on the, underneath the, the pickup. Yeah. So, yeah, so then I started thinking, you know, pouring the water is just making such a mess, makes a cool mark, but then I started spraying with the spray bottle, and I literally use it like it's a paintbrush, the spray bottle. Yeah. Well, that's cool because uh, with some of the work, actually, I was that was something I wrote down little trigger words and brush with a question mark was one of them. I mean, do you use? I mean, obviously, it, where what I'm learning is that you use various tools to apply the paint and affect it. And I was much more inclined, like when I really started this process of doing abstract expressionism, I had some tools that I was really intent on using. Now I'm, I. I use whatever brush I can find. I mean, it's really, like, I used to have brushes that were important to me. Really not so important anymore. Um, the spray bottle is much more important. And uh, one of the uh, things that I use a lot of is the sponge brush, that cheap little thing that you buy at Home Depot, you know. <laughs> I probably use that the most. Oh, cool. So I'm manipulating my marks from the um, brushes and sponge brush with the spray bottle and with paper towels. So let me just welcome you, Brenda, to Outcast. Thank you. Hi. Hi. <laughs> so my first question is, what were some of your early experiences with painting, and when do you feel like you got serious about it? So, um, you know, I wasn't one of these little kid artist types. I actually danced as a child. That was my form of expression. But I doodled a lot. I was a big doodler. Yeah. And I think that that has sort of translated into my work now. <laughs> um but um, when I was um, a young lawyer, believe it or not, I um, I walked into um, a gallery in Mexico and I looked at some paintings and I just thought to myself, I like that, I feel that, I want to do that, if that doesn't sound crazy. And so I went back to home and I went to my local um, museum art school and took classes and that was Believe it or not, my early experiences with actual painting, painting, and I kind of became very obsessed with it, and I would uh, stay up all night and paint and so forth. But um, and I think in terms of me getting really serious about it, and I don't know if you're asking as just an artist or as professionally, um, but more so professionally, it's been about eight years. Um, I have three kids, and my youngest child was, um, I think she was in first grade, and I realized that I needed to do something else and focus oh. more. And I had been painting for, at that point, probably 20 years. And um, so that's when I started pushing it um, professionally. Um, and um, it just has sort of taken on a life of its own at this point. <laughs> <laughs> What feeds your work more? Would you say your other work, looking at art or life experience or something other than those things? Um, I would say that my starting point, my jumping point for uh, my work is my other work. I mean, I use my work as my jumping point or leaping point. But um, what also feeds my work the most is really life experiences, particularly um, my family, just everyday stuff that's going on with me. I mean, my work is extremely intuitive and emotional, so the life experiences definitely creep in. And I travel a lot. We just got back from Africa, and we were in Asia um, in December. And all of those types of experience truly 
uh, make a difference on my work. Not intentionally, but intuitively. Yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah, so, I mean, just experience in general, somehow it, it um, um, like, solidifies and shows up through the work. Yeah, I would, I mean, I would almost call my work biographical in, in a way, you know, yeah. which sounds funny for abstract work, but it really is. It's just what's going on with me, and it ends up on the panel. Okay. Yes. So I noticed you did work a lot on uh, panels quite a bit. Yeah, I do. Um, I really almost always work on panels. Um, I do canvas occasionally when it's much, much larger pieces. I happen to be a pretty small person, so the panels can get heavy and big. <laughs> so I can go up to a 72-inch square panel. Um, and then beyond that, it becomes a little difficult to move around. Also, there's concerns about warpage and so forth with the wood panel. Oh yeah. yeah. As they get bigger. So. So yeah, it's it's interesting that you mentioned you mentioned dance when you were younger. Yeah. Because there's actually um, some of my notes where I wrote down um, where I feel like there there is they're dance like some of the forms and the strokes that create the I guess you can call them forms. It's really hard to determine a, a appropriate word for what's going on, but. Um, but they seem like they're da- like they're. Uh, I call them. I, I'm almost referring to them figuratively, like as if they were they were figures. Wow, that's that's really interesting because um, very recently I was staring at. The, first of all, when I I started out painting, I did a lot of um, uh, life drawing classes, and I was like in love with it. So I could uh-huh. see why that might have translated to what's going on in my work now. But also. Um, I recently was staring at it, and I started thinking, wow, it looks to me like two people having a conversation. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but it wasn't something I thought about before it happened. And uh, one of the reasons I think that you see the dance part in it is because I'm an extremely physical painter. And so you're seeing probably my activity within the work. In other words, I'm not standing one place and doing one thing. I'm up, I'm down, I'm side to side. I have music on, I'm moving to it. So it is almost like performing a dance <laughs> in the process part. How do you get yourself out of creative block? Um, well, I'm pretty lucky I don't have a lot of that creative block, but I do have my moments. And... Um, I just always sort of think in my head, like the Nike commercial, this sounds probably very goofy, just do it. And I, yeah. you know, I, I force myself, you know, I have a period of time that I'm in my studio, a certain amount of hours, and I just pick myself up and stand in front of the work and just react to the paint. And um, so I think the act of doing the work is the way you get over creative block. After having a good day in the studio, do you ever have to come down from that state before resuming normality or normalcy? That's actually a really nice question. I'm I'm a mom, and I have a husband, and I have uh, three kids, one who's just left for college, so really only two at home. So what I do is when I come to the studio, I do my work, and when I leave and lock the door, I just turn it off and walk away and then do the mom thing. So um, it's just part of the way I handle things, and it works very well. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you can, uh, you can, because I know I need like a transition period myself. So. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess that some of my transition period may occur in the car as I'm heading over to pick up my daughter from school, or um, as I'm, you know, quietly doing something and 
everybody else is not asking me questions. But I think, you know, for me, I had my children first before I pursued my career. A lot of people pursue their career first. So the fa- so I had a way of working from the start that was, you know, when you're at the studio and you're working, that's what you're doing. When you leave, then you move forward and you do the other things that you need to do in your life. And it's worked out really well as a mom, you know, to do it that way. So um, it is hard at, sometimes. I mean, I, my, my brain kind of uh, sometimes keeps going on and on, but I try to just turn it off. I'm really into mindfulness right now. I know this is like a, a word that everybody's using, but I've been meditating a lot, and I really just am trying to focus on what I'm doing at the moment. So once I walk out of the studio, I'm not doing that anymore, so I try to just turn it off. Can you use three to five words to describe your work? Okay. Um, gestural, zen, vibrant, effusive, and immediate. I have, um, well, I have a, a couple of words that I wrote down, if that's all right. Okay. Okay. So I know, um, I already mentioned figurative, so that, uh, I'm gonna, I might cheat. It might be more than five. I, I, <laughs> yeah, um, that is cheating. It would have been easier to keep just going on and on. <laughs> right, yeah, I know. Um, so I feel like, you know, in that figurative sort of mindset that I, that I see them at, I feel like there, there, there is like this cluster of, uh, you know, like you were saying that two people having a conversation. Um, but I feel like their energy is like they're, they're ready to unravel, but they're somehow held together. I mean, you have these like, these predominant like vertical strokes and some horizontal strokes and that, that sort of those different energies tend to help hold, let's say the figure in this case, like together from unraveling. I know there's a whole lot more than five words, but. <laughs> wow. Well, that's really cool. Thank you. <laughs> I liked that description. <laughs> I mean, and there's a nice tension within that, you know, as if they were, were coming coming apart. Well, thank you. Um, I think, you know, while I'm working, I'm always trying to, I, I'm really excited at moments, but calmer at other, other moments. And I think that's tra- what translates to what you see in the work. And um, if I can pull that off, sort of that energy and calmness at the same time, it's really uh, exciting to me. So my next question is, how would you define success? The process, yeah. I'm, I'm really trying to focus on the process of enjoying all of it, whether it be creating the painting or the day to, your day-to-day life. So to me, if you can enjoy the process of, of the moment, you're successful in a sense. Don't yeah. define success as, you know, in a monetary way or finishing 15 paintings in a year or any of that. For me, it's more about the process of the day-to-day. And, and I'm really, like, enamored with the word moment. Um, and that's part of what I'm trying to get across, you know, really enjoying the moment and the process. And so, to me, that's success. What do you feel artists have in common in the way that they are driven to create? Oh, that was a tough question, by the way. <laughs> um, I think that most artists are pretty much out-of-the-box thinkers and that their drive to create comes from um, seeing things in a different way than what is avail- available to them. So if you see a tree, you might you want to interpret it in your own mind, in your own way. So that's why you're driven to create it in a different way. I mean, I think that's what we all have in common. We're trying to express ourselves in a way that isn't already presented to us necessarily. So who are some of your favorite artists? 
Um, the Koenig, Picasso. Um, this is like an obvious one. Um, Joan Mitchell, um, Michelangelo, um, and Dolly. Most of the interviews that that I prepare for, I I'll try to match up some music that I should be listening to while I'm looking at the work. And have you heard of Zoe Keating? Yeah. Yeah, she plays a cello. Yeah, and I, you know, as a matter of fact, it might be on my playlist because I teach workshops, and um, okay. some of my, I always ask my students, like, what would you like to listen to? And I think it might be on there, but I can't remember what it sounds like. <laughs> well, she plays a cello, and um, she, she, she's like, I don't know if she ever plays with an ensemble or, you know, a band, so to speak, but I, the performances I've seen, um, not in person, but on, you know, on the great internet, <laughs> YouTube, but... Um, she she has this this pad on the on the on the floor by where she can reach it with her foot, and she does like a lot of like looping and sampling of what what she plays. So then then she'll she'll loop it and then start playing a different part on her cello, and it's um it's just wild the the the, the concert so to speak that she puts together with just a little bit of electronics and a computer and the the cello and um anyway that was just what I was listening to. Oh, that's interesting. I'm going to listen to it when we're done. I'm going to go back and, and try to find it on my um, phone. Nice. And uh, also the other one I was listening to is Balmoray. It's kind of tough to, to spell. I love that. Oh, great. I listen to that all the time. I don't know okay. anything about Pandora, but whenever it comes on, I do that little chick I, uh, check thing I love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. That you like it? I yeah. love it, actually. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, that's great. So I, was, I wasn't uh, coming from left field with that. Actually, um, I'm sure that some of the paintings I sent you, I was listening to that at one point in time. Oh, yeah. Painting. Yeah. I'm- yeah, there's they're just, um, you know, with, with what I say, I don't intend to limit the possibilities of your paintings by any means. But, you know, I feel like, you know, we're, we're, we're heading into fall here. And um, but yet I feel like, you know, it's nice to experience your paintings here because they're, they're holding on to spring for me a little bit. That's sort of um, living in Florida. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you have an artist quote you'd like to share? Um, yeah, there's actually, after I, I started looking at this as well, and there are a lot of artist quotes that are amazing, and there was one I was going to use, um, but then I found this, and it really hit me uh, strongly. So the purpose of art is washing the dust of daily life off our souls by Picasso. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I loved that one. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Yeah, I I can't thank you enough for doing this. Well, thank you. It was a blast. Oh, cool. I think think these interviews push you to think about um, what you're doing and why, and I think it's important all the way around, so thank you. Oh, yeah. Oh, no problem. This has been Oddcast. Thank you from me, your host, Philip J. Mellon. Keep the dialogue going.